you've been lost in the woods for hours now, stumbling around in the dark. You come around the bend and see two people roasting marshmallows over a roaring fire. They see you coming into the clearing and gesture over to pull up a log. Welcome to Campfire Ashes. I'm Paul. And I'm Jess. Join us as we tell each other our originally written spooky stories around the campfire and then dive into the lore and legends that inspired them. Is it something that goes bump in the night? Is it something menacing lurking past the tree line? Or is it just weird and otherworldly? You'll find it here on Campfire Ashes. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, or right here on the Geekscape Network. Let's go surfing now, everybody's learning how. Come on a safari with me. Come on a safari with me. Hello and welcome to another episode of Before My Time. I am your host, Kelsey Laurie, and we are joined, as always, by producer, co-host, and best friend, Matt Kelly. And we are talking about our top five favorite Beach Boys songs. To entertain you, we'll sing your songs for good times, the best times. You can't go wrong. We'll two-step a new step. It won't be long. When the Dixielands are playing, soon you'll be swaying. So come on, sing along. Kelsey, it is almost summertime, and when I think of summertime, I think of the beach. And when I think of the beach, I think of boys. You could call them beach boys. Uh, and we haven't done a top five in a little bit, and we love music top five specifically, and wow. we love the beach boys. So I feel like the stars have aligned for us to finally do a beach boys top five. And I want to say that you texted me. The same text that I get anytime that we do a top five. This is impossible. How could I? Yeah. Why am I? I I did this very quickly and only because I was like, you know what? I'm not even going to like, I literally put together my list an hour ago and it was just like, follow your gut instinct. Like, don't don't like I looked at a bunch of songs by them. I wrote down the songs that I would want to put on the list. And then I just looked at that list and said, if if these songs were slowly going to cease to exist in the world, oh, which God. ones would I save quickest like in what order? <laughs> so here we are for me, because I am a huge beach boys fan. I mean, I'm a California girl, so it's, it literally is like in our blood. These songs are my anthem. Don't you just wish they all could be California? Girls? I do. Um, <laughs> and so I started like, just writing down. I actually just put the Beach Boys on while I was doing other stuff. And like any song that I was like, I, this was one of my favorites. Like I was like, I'll just write the ones down and then I'll go back over. And I did the thing where I was like, oh, that's like 10. And excuse me, I thought I would have a little more of like the kind of, that's my explanation of what those songs are. The it's early days. Fun, yeah. Early days. Cause I, I love them so much. But when I actually was like, I can't deny this top five, it is what it is. Yeah. I, I, think that I have three songs off of the same album oh, yeah. on my list. I mean, like there's a, there's a specific album by them that is such a masterpiece. Well, the thing is, but... is that these songs are undeniably their top five. if not some of the top five rock and roll songs. If many music critics have said that. So it's, you know, it's like some of these, you might go, well, duh, but it's like, 
again, we've had this with artists where you can't deny some of the ones that are no. recognized some, as best because they are the best. And I yeah. recognize that too. They're my favorites. Yeah. Sometimes the expected answer is still the correct answer. So Gelsey, let's start. What is your number five on this Beach Boys list? My number five is off the album Wild Honey, and it is the song Wild Honey. Ooh, okay. <laughs> absolutely like go nuts when this song goes on um it was released october 23rd 1967 recorded september 1967 so literally recorded a month before it was released and it was written by brian wilson and mike love so mike love remembers that brian was doing this track with a theremin which is kind of a weird instrument that they use in quite a few songs and we were doing the song i went into the kitchen and we were in this health food thing and wild honey was all natural so there's this can of wild honey and we're making some teas so i said i'll write the lyrics about this girl who was a wild little honey and i wrote it from the perspective that that album was brian's r&b influence album in his mind it may not sound like it to a motown executive but that was where he was coming from on that record in that particular instance i wrote it from the perspective of stevie wonder writing it or singing it so this is kind of their R&B. There was a couple songs like that that they felt that way about, that they were like, this is an R&B song, you know, even though to us we're like, is it? But still, for the Beach Boys it is. Um, that they recorded the song in one day. It was just really quick. It peaked at number 31 in the US and number 29 in the UK. So it did very well. And yeah, I. it's just one of those, the, uh, or like, wild honey. I just, it's always on one of my favorite. I have like an all time playlist. It's always on there. It's just, suck it to me. Wow. I can't not dance to it. It, it is one of my favorite Beach Boys songs. So. All right. Uh, so, my number five, it's kind of a cliche. I, I would actually say that there are no deep cut surprises anywhere on my top yeah. five, to be honest. I used to love going to water parks. I don't know what it is. I mean, I love amusement parks too, but I used to love going to a water park where you had some wave pools and you had water slides and all that stuff. And you can't walk into a water park and not hear Surfing USA like 50 times in, in your one day visit. If everybody had a Of all of the classic, like, early Beach Boys ones, I, this was one of their earliest hits, but it it's a hit for a good reason. From literally the opening, just like, like, guitar riff into the, like, if everybody had an <laughs> Like, it's like, it's everything you imagine. When it someone says the Beach Boys, this is what people are thinking of. Yeah when they think of them. It's probably like, like the number one song that comes to people's mind. Yeah, so, I mean, I had to go with it. It's just iconic. Yeah, it's the one that you most want to dance to. Weirdly, most of the other songs on my list, not really good dance songs, but Surfing USA, absolutely a dance pop. Yeah, I like it. All right, let's hear your number four. Another, uh, these are all, again, they're all going to be stereotypical, but their B-sides just aren't that great. Number four, Wouldn't It Be Nice. I had that a little bit higher, but let's talk about it. Okay. I know it was hard not to, but just the other ones, one, it, whatever, the other ones beat me out. Um, it's from the album Pet Sounds. 
It was released July 18th, 1966. It was recorded earlier in that year from January to April. So this one, you know, takes a little longer to record. It's written by Brian Wilson, Mike Love, and also Tony Asher. So quick little thing about Tony Asher. Um, he was an American songwriter and copywriter who's best known for his collaborations with Brian Wilson for the Beach Boys. He co-wrote eight songs on Pet Sounds and mainly added to the lyrics. So that was kind of his thing. He also composed jingles such as Mattel's slogan, you can tell it's Mattel, it's swell, and contributed songs <laughs> to the Partridge family. So he wasn't in the Beach Boys, but he did kind of have his in and outs with them to help them write their songs. So this song was actually inspired by Wilson's confusion, confused infatuations for his sister-in-law who projected an innocent aura and he wished to capture that, wouldn't it be nice? But it suggests that he had sexual fantasies about the Honey singer Diane Roville, which was his sister-in-law. And while discussing the song, Asher supported that Wilson was definitely infatuated by her and that the innocent aura that she seemed to possess, Brian was just really so naive. He said that he'd stop in the middle of a song uh, writing and or conversation and just go on about Diane and about how innocent and sweet and beautiful she was. And he'd be thinking, huh, your wife's right next, you know, in the next room and you're talking about your sister. Like that was, it's, you know, we think of it as like a sweet love song and it is, I, it's just such a happy go lucky, but it kind of more expresses the frustrations of youth and what you can't have and what you really want to have. So it's like, the more we talk about it, the harder it's to be without it, but let's talk yeah. about it. And it's wanting to live together, to wake up next to each other. If you think about teen love, you know, you still got to go home and it's just, I want to sleep with you and stay the night and wake up with you and, and all of that. And the verse baseline was inspired by the Ronettes, Be My Baby. Um, oh, I could hear that. Yeah. yeah, I read that and I was like, oh, that totally makes sense. I love that. So the vocal sessions for Pet Sounds were the most challenging on the group's career. Um, and their performance of Wouldn't It Be Nice took longer to record than any other track on the album. And all the bandmates struggled to sing the multiple vocal parts to Brian's satisfaction. Um, Al Jardine later said that the challenge of meeting Wilson's standards on the song was painful beyond belief for all of us. Carl Wilson remembers, we would really try to make a good album. We wanted to take another step. Wouldn't it be nice was the track that really brought out the hope to all of us. We did at least 10 sessions on that one and it still wasn't right. I still think we sang it a little rushed. I, I also consider that song to be like, that that if you ask me like what is some of the most popular like the most perfect pop songs it just it, again right from the start to talk about yeah just wouldn't it be nice that like it's like all right so happy like i am like i immediately am just in love when i hear that song even if there's no one in my life like throughout my life when i hear this song i'm just in love Yes. No, for sure. It also always makes me think of Fifty First Dates. Always. Um, him crying. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Uh, so my number four, right around this same time, I believe. Actually, no, this was a little bit earlier. One of I, I have two songs on my top five that I would consider among some of the prettiest love songs ever written. Uh, so I put it number four, Don't Worry Baby. These were all like so close and then the next ones would come in. So that didn't actually make my list. Yeah. I love that song. And this is another one that's kind of pulled from his obsession with Be My Baby. Listen, if you're going to obsess over a song that you want to try to recreate a bunch of times, the Ronettes Be My Baby I is a great option. I love the Ronettes, which is, you know, that the lead singer of the Ronettes, um, Ronnie, was in a long-term relationship with Keith Richards. Huh. 
did not know that, but that makes sense, I guess. But yes, don't worry, baby. <laughs> like, it's just, it's beautiful. And I didn't, I never really paid attention to the lyrics, uh, but the lyrics portray a, a man who agrees to a drag race and much to his uh, regret, uh, tries to consult his girlfriend with the song's title phrase, telling her, don't worry, we're going to be, it's all, it's all going to be okay. Uh, the song was actually offered to the Ronettes, um, but was rejected by Phil Spector. So Wilson just produced that it for the... Yeah, that's like... We were talking about him on One Hit Thunder the other day, and I was like, there has never been a person who has looked more like a producer from the 60s who would try to murder somebody than any photo you see of Phil Spector where you're just like, oh, yeah, he looks unhinged. Perfect. I'm not trying to like say what he did was good or okay, because duh... But like, I'm not going to deny the fact that he, what, ha, his hands were on every masterpiece ever. Oh, he made great songs. So a few quick things about "Don't Worry, Baby." Uh, it has appeared on several critics' listings, including Spin Magazine's 100 Greatest Singles of All Time, Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs of All Time, and Pitchfork's 200 Greatest Songs of the 60s. And it's been covered by the Bay City Rollers, B.J. Thomas, oh, and, ironically, Ronnie Spector. <laughs> Oh. Well, well, well. All right, we're moving to my number three, which I said the way that Wild Honey revs me up and you can get me dancing. This one, I always kind of put these two together. Well, they're on the same album, but this song absolutely drives me wild. It's also from the album Wild Honey, and it's Darlin'. Released December 18th. 1967. It was recorded earlier that year in October. It's written by Brian Wilson and Mike Love, most are. And Wilson says it's his favorite song ever written in a 2015 interview. He said, I just like the melody. And it is. It's such a happy, oh, my pretty darling. Um, I just love it. It makes me feel like someone loves me. The way that wouldn't it be nice? I said, I feel like I'm in love. This song makes me feel like that I don't know, young girl in the sunshine just being absolutely adored. And it makes me happy. And I like to dance this song. But anyways, um, it peaked at number 19 in the U.S. and number 11 in the U.K. And the song was originally written for Three Dog Night, which if oh, those of okay. you do not know Three Dog Night, they sing, one is the loneliest number that you ever do. Or my favorite song, Eli is coming. Eli's coming. It, it would make sense that Brian Wilson would be trying to get his songs into the hands of a bigger artist mm -hmm. at that point in time. Now it'd be crazy to suggest that Three Dog Night was a bigger band than the Beach Boys, but at it's, that particular you know, time... He wants to get his, his... Yeah. You know, he was such a musical genius. He really was. But um, they only got as far... It, their group used to be called Redwood before it was Three Dog Night. So at the time yeah. it was Redwood. And they only got as far as recording a vocal guide before Carl Wilson and Mike Love insisted that Brian focus his attention on producing work for the Beach Boys. And... Wilson later stated in an interview that Darlin was for Three Dog Night. They recorded it and said, no, you can have it. So I gave it to Carl to sing. And then they did the, the track. Darlin, you know, is sung by Carl Wilson. And when asked what songs worked best for Carl Wilson's voice, Brian singled out that track, responding, wow, well, Darlin, of course. Carlin did an amazing job on the vocals on that song. And I agree. It's one of, he, he has such a cool voice. And my darling, so, it is. And it's just, oh, it's so good. But um he also recalls that he was writing more in a soul R&B kind of era, um, which Wild Honey was thought to be that same album. So he was kind of in that. 
um, mindset. The horns were conceived as a Phil Spector kind of horn thing, speaking of Phil. And that song took about a week to write. The singer Danny uh-huh. Hutton, which was the lead um, singer of Redwood to become Three Dog Night, later claims that the ins- he was the inspiration for the title Darlin because he said Darlin a lot. Oh, there we go. That's true or not. So Darlin was your number three. Yeah. And uh, get ready to tell your number two because my number three was Wouldn't It Be Nice. I I, I love that nice. song. Put it in re- number three. So right. what's your number two? My number two. This is going to be a long breath answer. My number two not, is not on an album. It was released as a single October 10th, 1966. It is Good Vibrations. I, I love the colorful clothes you wear. And the way the sunlight plays upon her head. Good Vibrations isn't on an album? No, it's a single. I could have sworn I that was on Pet Sounds. Holy shit. No. Um, <laughs> that's crazy. And Good Vibrations, earlier in the episode, you talked about a theremin. Um, probably the best, most mainstream use of a theremin is in Good Vibrations. Yeah. Uh, with that, woo! It's it's the se- I always say it's the sound of like a 50s... And that's Mad scientist lab. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like crazy. And this is why I, I'm going to dive into this a little more because this is acclaimed as one of the finest and most important works of the rock era. I mean, he really pushed it. This is kind of 1966 before Day in the Life when the Beatles are doing that shit. Like it's, this is really that first kind of huge experimental. And he brings in like sleigh bells. Yeah. Like, well, this is like the first oh, shot fired on the, well, and you and I have talked about this before that like the, the, you know, there's always the like Beatles versus the Rolling Stones argument. And it's such a stupid argument because the battle really truly was the Beatles versus the Beach Boys as far as like two artists lovingly challenging each other to step it up. And I think Good Vibrations truly was like the first shot of that war. You know what I mean? Like that first moment where then you have the Beatles going, oh, damn, you can do that in the studio. And then like. Kind of, from that point on, it pretty much was just like album trading back and forth of like what new innovation could these two bands create a in a studio? Percent, a thousand percent. <laughs> um, yeah, this was actually their first million selling single. It hit number one on Top 100 and it was their first number one in the UK. Now, the concept and early lyrics, most of the structure and arrangement was written as it was recorded. So it wasn't a complete song that they went in. It was kind of this clusterfuck. Even sometimes they were like, Brian, what the fuck are you doing? And um, during the recording sessions for the 1966 album, Pet Sounds, Wilson began changing his writing process. For Good Vibrations, Wilson said, I had a lot of unfinished ideas, fragments of music that I called feels. Each feel represented a mood or emotion I'd felt, and I planned to fit them together like a mosaic. Uh, which was kind of, you know, if someone's coming at you with that idea at that time, you'd be like, the fuck? Um, the engineer Chuck Britz is quoted that he said this song is his whole life performance in one track. And Wilson stated that I was an energetic 23 year old. I said, this is going to be better than you've lost that love and feeling by Phil Spector. Um, Asher remembers who I talked about earlier that Brian was playing amounts. Uh, what amounts to the hook of the song? Good, 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 good vibrations. He started telling me the story about his mother. He said he'd always thought it would be fun to write a song about the vibes and picking them up from other people. So as we started to work, he played this little rhythm pattern, a riff on the piano, the thing that goes under the chorus. So that's kind of how it got, you know, created in this, that. And um, Mike Love submitted the final lyrics. And this was kind of their psychedelic anthem to flower power and all of that, you know, 
if you're going to San Francisco, wear flowers in your hair. This is their response, even though this is way more lit and better. Now we move into the recording. So production for Good Vibrations spanned more than a dozen recording sessions at four different Hollywood studios at a time when most pop singles were typically recorded in, you know, one or two days. It was reported that they used over 90 hours of magnetic recording tape with an eventual budget estimated in the tens of thousands, making it the costliest single record to that date. Um, they had a biographer that was trying to follow them. And he wrote that Wilson was so puzzled by arranging good vibrations that he would often arrive at a session, consider a few possibilities and then leave without recording anything with the exacerbated costs. So like <laughs> kind of all over the place. And I highly recommend if you haven't ever dove um, listeners into the history of the beach boys and kind of Brian Wilson, there are multiple biopic movies out and they're all very good. What's the one with uh, John Cusack. It's kind of about the lawsuit in the nineties. And uh, oh, uh, what was that? Uh, Elizabeth Banks is in it and they flash back to when he's younger. It's really good. It's love and mercy. Love and mercy. Are, there, there we go. Yeah. Oh, he played Brian Wilson. There we go. Yeah. He plays Brian Wilson. Um, Paul Giovanni is, uh, Giamatti is like the doctor that was taking complete advantage of him. It's, um, yeah, it's like sad. And then there was, was it summer dreams? Was it made for TV? Yeah, Summer Dreams is made for TV, um, the story of the Beach Boys. And that one's really good as well. Like one of them gets involved with the Manson family and the father's really abusive. And, um, you know, Brian Wilson needed medication and wasn't on it properly. And so all these things. But anyways, going back, um, <clears throat> Mike Love can recall during the recordings of Good Vibration, he said, I can remember doing 25 to 30 vocal overdubs of the same part. And when I meant the same part, I mean the same section of a record, maybe no more than two, three, four or five seconds long. Dennis Wilson was to have sang the lead vocal, but due to a bout of laryngitis, Carl replaced him at the last minute. In early September, the master tapes for Good Vibrations were stolen. Mysteriously, they reappeared in Brian's home two days later. That would have full up my shit. But they actually, yeah. I think it's in Love and Mercy that because they do a lot of flashbacks, they go to this recording session and they do, they just want like, ah, like two seconds. And they kind of, this is in the movie. And he's just like, I'm going crazy. I've been in this box singing literally the same three seconds over and over. And Brian's like, no, it's not good enough. It's not good enough. It's not good. You know, he had this whole yeah. vision. Um, and that's why, you know, he's a fucking genius, what he could create and even without coming to the recording sessions with this completed but having these ideas that he fit together i mean this is one of the most well-received songs speaking of reception um i will do a little in 1968 there was an editorial written by gene sculati who was a very high up music critique and he predicted that good vibrations may yet prove to be the most significantly revolutionary piece of the current rock renaissance executed as it in conventional Beach Boys manner, it is one of the few organically complete rock works. Every audible note and every silence contributes to the whole three minutes, 35 seconds of the song. It is the ultimate in-studio production trip, very much rock and roll in the emotional sense, and yet I'm rock-like in its spatial dimensional conceptions. In no minor way, Good Vibrations is a primary influence piece for all producing rock artists. Everyone has felt it's important to some degree in such desperate things as the Yellow Balloon's Yellow Balloon and the Beatles' Day in the Life in groups as far apart as Grateful Dead and the Association and Van Dyke's part, um, Van Dyke Parks and the Who. So it's really is the song to open the road to this next thing. It, it, um, yeah, I fucking love this song. It's great. Nice. Well then my number two, possibly the first Beach Boys song I ever heard. Thanks to the opening credits of, uh, look who's talking. Uh, I get around. Round, round, get around. I get around. Yeah, get around, round, round. I get around. I get around. Get around, round, round. I get around. Who 
love that song. I just had that on my story yesterday. I was listening to it and I was like. <laughs> so I'm sending you a link on your phone. Um, have you ever seen the Shred videos? No. Okay, so before you hit play on that, I want you to watch this live because this is, this is going to literally be what I use for my time to talk about how I get around. Uh, but the Shred videos are this dude will take famous live performances of artists, strip all of the audio out, and re-record it and make it sound ridiculously oh, awful. I there's someone I follow on Instagram who does that. He's actually been like doing like songs from High School Musical as if there's no sound, yeah. like, no music, and it's like as if they were singing, but they're really bad, and it's freaking hilarious. So all I'm gonna ask, hit play on this, and at least get to the clapping part of I Get Around. You can have the volume up so the listeners can also hear what you listen to. This is one of the funniest videos I've ever seen on the internet. I'm dead. I have to see that musical one because it's like that, and I'm like in tears watching it. It's so I've cool. seen. I, I know the same person because I know that they did the Grease Lightning with no music. They're so funny. But uh, yes, get around. I mean, what can you say about I get around that the rest of the people don't know? It's it's so quick. It's so catchy. It's so. It's just a fun song to sing along with. It, it puts you in a good mood. And is oh, that not what the Beach Boys are supposed to do? So. I'm going to drive around my windows down later. Yeah. So I'll let you do your number one. All right. My number one is from the album Pet Sounds, and it is God Only Knows. We have the same number one. It's <laughs> never happened. It finally happened. Oh, my God. How could you not have this as your number one? Say, this is, it's the most beautiful song I think ever written. It's just it is. It is. If it's not the best love song that's ever been written, it's in the top five for sure. So like beautiful. it is gorgeous. So beautiful. And it was really um, it is praised of one of the greatest songs of all times. And as the Beach Boys finest recordings, it's it has high. It only peaked at number 39 on the top 100. I mean, only that's still really good. But um, it's written by Brian Wilson and Tony Asher. Released July 18th, 1966, and recorded March through April of 1966. And it was a little bit controversial just because it even mentions God. And at that time, remember, we we're in a God-loving country in the 60s. Um, yeah, that was kind of a taboo, like, maybe. And the fact also that this love song's opening line starts with, I may not always love you. They were like, yeah. is that? But it's, and there's theories that it's like a song about contempting, uh, a contemplating suicide if this love ever left but that's they were like no it's not um i think it's just the most beautiful love song yeah i mean i i agree i i wish i could dive into how this song makes me feel but it just it does it it hits me there's something about the way he just they sing the god only knows what i'd be without you it's those little vocal inflections that make the late 60s beach boys so and and pet sounds in general that whole album is just fantastic and it's it's like you said the genius of brian wilson is is finding a way to say a very simple line like Something that you would say, I would say to someone like, oh, God only knows what I'd be without you. You know what I mean? Like if someone just helped me do something 
but singing it in a specific way and the choices to hit those quick little high notes in the way that like those little tiny inflections just take it from like a simple statement to like the most beautiful thing you could say to another human being. <laughs> like it's, it, it is truly uh, one of the, the finest pieces of songwriting it, it, and worthy of all of the praise that it gets for sure. Yeah. We were talking about the Beatles kind of being the competitors to the rolling, I mean, to the beach boys. And actually Wilson said that he wrote God only knows as an attempt to match the standard of the Beatles album, rubber soul in his recollection. He was under the influence of marijuana and was so blown away with the album that he sat at his piano and began to write this song, which this song is better than any song on the rubber soul. I love the Beatles. Actually rubber soul is one of my favorite albums, but <laughs> um, and he said, it's it's not really in one key. It's a strange song, the way it was written. It's the only song I've ever written that has no definite key. And I've written hundreds of songs. Um, he also says that he describes this track as a vision. It's like being blind, but in being blind, you can see more. You close your eyes, you're able to see a place or something that's happening. The idea he conveys and God only knows, he said, summarized everything I was trying to express in a single song, which I absolutely fucking love that. And then I told myself to go look at the wiki page. Well, uh, while you're looking that up, I want to bring back up that opening line that you said, the uh, I may not always love you. According to Genius.com, um, Brian Wilson initially hated this opening line. He considered it too negative for a love song, but it was actually the co-writer, Tony Asher, who fo fought for it. Uh, and the direct quote that they had from him was, this was the one song that I thought could be a hit record because it was so incredibly beautiful. I was concerned that maybe the lyrics weren't up to the same level as the music. How many love songs start off with a line like, I may not always love you. I loved that twist, and I fought for the song to start that way. Working with Brian, I didn't have to do a whole lot of fighting, but it certainly was something I was willing to fight to the bitter end for. <laughs> so, I mean, I do. I think that that opening line actually is part of the charm mm -hmm. of, of the whole song. Paul McCartney says... It's his favorite song of all time, which I believe that. Yeah. yeah. And this was another big production recording session where he got about 20 session musicians who variously played drums, sleigh bells, plastic orange juice cups, clarinets, flutes, strings, French horn, accordion, guitars, upright bass, harpsichord and track piano with its strings taped. So it was another kind of very pushing the limits and stuff. But this was released as a side B because they were a little concerned, um, the producers, about the kind of concept of God and, and everything in that. But did you ever see, um, it was a few years ago at the Oscars, you know how they always do the memorial of everyone that's died that year? They did, it was John Legend and I forget who the female singer was. They did a version of this and I absolutely, if there's someone's voice that can just make me melt, John Legend is one John of them. John Legend's is, up there, yeah. I love the sound of his voice. But it's him and I gotta figure out who's who the female is she stands and sing and he's at the piano singing and they did the most beautiful version of this song and they sang first and they keep singing and they're showing this slideshow of everyone who died and then it goes back and i it makes me cry every time that version it brings me to tears especially with the idea of the people we lost it was just like <laughs> yeah it says cynthia elvro oh yeah no that doesn't oh i think she was she was in Widows and Bad Times at the El Royale and Harriet. She played Harriet Tubman and Harriet. Okay. Um, she's yeah, a, she's, to... she's going to play uh, Alphabab in oh, uh, Wicked. Cool. cool. Yeah. So a uh, girl can sing. I've heard her yeah. sing a couple she's, things. So beautiful. Like, I'll, I'll have to find this version of you um, for you and to send because it's... Um... 
I'm not going to promise that I'm going to post it because I always promise those things and I lie. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll get there. This was this was our individual top fives made up of roughly eight songs, but there are definitely songs that did not make it into the final cut. Yeah. And we'll talk about those after this commercial break. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. You've been lost in the woods for hours now, stumbling around in the dark. You come around the bend and see two people roasting marshmallows over a roaring fire. They see you coming into the clearing and gesture over to pull up a log. Welcome to Campfire Ashes. I'm Paul. And I'm Jess. Join us as we tell each other our originally written spooky stories around the campfire and then dive into the lore and legends that inspired them. Is it something that goes bump in the night? Is it something menacing lurking past the tree line? Or is it just weird and otherworldly? You'll find it here on Campfire Ashes. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, or right here on the Geekscape Network. You've been lost in the woods for hours now, stumbling around in the dark. You come around the bend and see two people roasting marshmallows over a roaring fire. They see you coming into the clearing and gesture over to pull up a log. Welcome to Campfire Ashes. I'm Paul. And I'm Jess. Join us as we tell each other our originally written spooky stories around the campfire and then dive into the lore and legends that inspired them. Is it something that goes bump in the night? Is it something menacing lurking past the tree line? Or is it just weird and otherworldly? You'll find it here on Campfire Ashes. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, or right here on the Geekscape Network. All right, Kelsey, I had three songs that, that were strong contenders that, that did not make the final cut. Obviously, there are hundreds of Beach Boys songs to count as well, but uh, let's let's go through some of our honorable mentions. Yeah, the one that I really thought was going to make it until I realized it wasn't was California Girls. It's just my anthem of my life. Every time it comes on the beginning, D, 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 I mean, talk about a mood shift. It can bring me up. It's it was kind of something that I held with me, like I said, as a personal anthem as I traveled the world and lived outside of California for so long and for about a decade. It, I was so proud to be a California girl. And so I, I love that song. Uh, one of mine, uh, and I honestly, I, I feel so stupid saying this. The reason I didn't pick it was that it rhythmically is too close to I Get Around. And I was like, I can't have two songs that sound almost exactly the same, uh, was Barbara Ann. That's amazing. Uh, <laughs> so I love Barbara Ann so much. And the recording, if you have it, that is on the album. It's them in, like, they start dicking around. Yeah. Have yeah, you it's one too- where he goes, they start and he's all, bah, bah. One of them goes, black sheep, have you? And they start laughing. And they're like, <laughs> okay, okay, bah, bah, bah. And they, it takes them like three times to get started. Then as they're playing, when it's kind of the musical break, he goes, oh, it's Brian on his ashtray. And you can hear the clinking. They're like, yeah. they're just dicking around. And then they- but That's what the charm of that whole the song ending is. of the song is when they, they got me rocking and rolling, rocking and reeling, Bob around. They go, okay, one more time, one more time. You got me rocking and rolling. And then they do it again, but he's like, slower, cowboy. They got me rocking. And it's just, it sounds like they're all drunk and just having the best time. And it's one of, why it's one of my favorite songs. Yes. All right. What's another one on your list? Um, It is Kokomo. Oh, yeah, That's, the last like big hit for them, right? I, I love don't think that they, song so much. Yeah. And bringing back into um, bringing the Muppets into our show. So. I was going to say, that's my connection with it is that's, I remember the Muppets cover. As a child, that's how I knew this song is because on the Frog Prince VHS, 
from the Muppets. This was like the little pre-music video to that video. And that's, this is how I knew this song. And I remember when I was three years old, we went to the Bahamas and one of um, my mom's friends, they would, they all loved me. I was adorable. Um, was picking me up. She's like, you're going to the Bahamas. She's like, Jamaica, Bahama. Ooh, I want, and she would like sing it to me. Like, yeah, yeah. I was like, yes, oh, I'm going to the place that they talk about in the song that I watched. <laughs> about. And so it was a long time. I mean, I was still a kid when I then realized it was the beach boys, but I was much older. Um, I thought it was a Kermit song. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> um, another one that I put on here. Uh, I don't love a ton of the early slow songs by the Beach Boys. Like early Beach Boys, you want just like that fast surf music. Yeah. But I find Surfer Girl to be such an it. irresistible pretty song. Yeah, um, it is. There's something about it that annoys me and I don't know why. I I could see that. I You know what it is? It's another one of those ones similarly to what I was saying with God Only Knows where I just, I like the choices of where the notes land on mm -hmm. like the little yeah, <laughs> like it's, it's very lullaby -ish. Like, it's, it's yeah. very sunset the waves are getting calm and the girl's still yeah. out like i do like that um quick shout out to help me Rhonda. classic see this was the other thing i was trying really hard and i don't know where these land but i was trying really hard to make sure i was picking beach boy songs and not songs that were also Jan and Dean songs because they're like, yeah. and I feel like help me Rhonda. I don't know who got there first. No, it's the beach, that's <laughs> like, boy song. Okay. That's Just like sure. beach boy song. Yeah. And I do love all summer long. I love fun, fun, fun. This is where like, there's so many. Yeah. Um, that I have the only other one I had was Surf and Safari, just because like that is the kind of the song that put them on the map. You have to give it some credit, but it's not, it's that, that I don't think was ever actually, going to be a competitor in my top five, yeah. but it is a song that I like. Yeah. Uh, but it's, I mean, comparatively to everything else. And same with like Catch a Wave. It's fine. It's, it's yeah. songs that's like, I love when they come on and I'm like, oh my God, Little Deuce Coop. Like, I love yeah. that song, but it's just, they're not in the contention of the other songs. Yeah. Especially either. like you and I both said, like, I don't think the second that we decided to do a top five list, I don't know about you, but I was like, God only knows is my number one. Like the, the rest of it was a battle of what became two through five. Like, like yeah. God only knows was it. Um, but all right. Well, Gelsey, if people are diehard Beach Boys fans and they're thinking, why didn't you name my favorite song? Why don't they let us know their favorite song somewhere? Yeah, they're like, why didn't you talk about In My Room? Um, let us know on Instagram. <laughs> you can find us at beforemytime underscore podcast or on Facebook. Just type in before my time. We will pop up right on our wall. DM us, comment on our latest post, and let us know what your favorite Beach Boys song that we might have missed is. Also, if you have a few seconds, we would love it if you left us a review. It helps us get in front of more listeners like yourself. Can't wait to bring you more random useless content. Love you guys. See you next time. Bye.
you've been lost in the woods for hours now, stumbling around in the dark. You come around the bend and see two people roasting marshmallows over a roaring fire. They see you coming into the clearing and gesture over to pull up a log. Welcome to Campfire Ashes. I'm Paul. And I'm Jess. Join us as we tell each other our originally written spooky stories around the campfire and then dive into the lore and legends that inspired them. Is it something that goes bump in the night? Is it something menacing lurking past the tree line? Or is it just weird and otherworldly? You'll find it here on Campfire Ashes. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, or right here on the Geekscape Network. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 